0: And just a little bit like like Mitchell said earlier, we're going to take communion together. And I'm saying that so you can prepare your heart and at home you can be ready for that. But today we're going to just spend a little bit of time in the Word of God preparing our hearts here in the room for communion. Can we do that together? We're kicking off this series called Living in the Presence. Living in the Presence. You know, we're people here at the Vineyard. We're people of the presence of God. We're people of the presence of God. We don't just come to church and do some empty rituals and, you know, get, worship some God that's far off with a few songs that everybody knows and then just go about our business. We're people of the presence of God. We want to dwell in the presence of God. We want to participate with what God's doing in the world. We're living in the presence of God. And so today we're going to specifically talk about the bread of the presence But as we kick off this series, you know, we're going to discuss in the next few weeks some specific ways we live in the presence of God together. Practices, habits to build, habits and rhythms like prayer, worship, celebration, and compassion. How we live in the presence of God. It's not haphazard. It's not, he didn't leave it as, there's not a bunch of guesswork. We know exactly what we're called to do. We know exactly how we're called to live in the presence of God. And so we're going to talk about that for a few weeks. Last week, Pastor Janet wrapped up our series in such a great way. Wasn't that awesome? If you, were here, if you weren't here, you need to go back and check it out. She, it was just, it was phenomenal. I so appreciated that word. She wrapped up our series on the house of the Lord with an excellent message, ending with our identity as the bride. Our identity as the bride of Jesus Christ. We are a bride. And remember, we talked about God wanting to be with his people he wants to dwell with his people. And that's what the temple and the tabernacle, the tent of meeting and all the altars and their location, where they were at, that's what it was all for. It was all to symbolize God's desire to dwell with his people. In fact, we, we found that that's the, what the name of Jesus is actually called. There's a prophecy about Jesus and it says his name, Jesus, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. And then it ends with, he'll also be called Emmanuel, God with us. That's what the word, that's what the name Emmanuel means. God dwelling with us. This is where all of this is leading. All of this is going from from Abraham, and we even went back to from Adam and Eve, and we, we walked through each of the altar, everything, everybody experienced throughout Scripture, and the tabernacle, and the temple, and the cloud, and the the fire, the the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud, each of these things, um, the the fire coming down into the temple when when Solomon dedicated the temple, we explored all of that, and then even I, I, it continues on from Moses and from the Old Testament into the New Testament when Paul experiences the presence of God, and Peter experiences. The presence of God, and John experiences the presence of God. And in Revelation chapter 2, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, we get a picture of where all of this is leading. All of this is leading to this. John says, then I saw, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there's no longer any sea. You know, I love how, just leave this up here for a second. I love how specific this gets because it got, it was very specific in the beginning, wasn't it? Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, in the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth in the beginning. He creates all, and each one was very specific and he got very specific about how he created them and what he created. And so here in John's revelation of what's happening at the very end of everything when we're being, when we're, we're going to be um, just released before the throne of Jesus forever. In the city of God, this is the picture. He gets very specific. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, there it is again, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, look. God's dwelling place is now among the people. I love that line. Look, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. Hey, I know he used to be in a tent. Hey, I know he used to be in a temple. Hey, I know you used to meet him in an altar. But look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He's with us. He says, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. Verse four, verse four. Some of us need to hear this today. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see, he's with us. He's with us, actively with us. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things, the old way of doing things has passed away. Isn't that beautiful? There's not going to be any more crying, there's not going to be any more mourning. It's passed away. It will pass away. And then going on toward the end of that chapter, Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, starting in verse 22 says this. John sees this revelation. He says, I did not see a temple in the city. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the lamb are its temple the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it and no day and no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there spoiler alert this is where we're going this is where we're going. There will be no night there. We don't have to close the gates anymore because there's not going to be any night. They used to close the gates of the city to keep everyone safe because at night, you know, there was no electricity. There were no lights all over the place. They had to close the gates of every city. They closed the gates to keep everyone safe. It says the gates of this city will never need to be shut because there's no night there. There's no night there. Let's move on. I love this prophetic look at what, John, what God is going to do with us for now with us, the church, and he's going to dwell with us. He says, I, John says, I didn't see a temple. John says, I didn't see a temple. This was a surprise to John. No temple, no tabernacle. No, because God intends to dwell with his people, actually. As I, pre- as I prepared these last few weeks, Oh, you can take that one down. As I prepared the last few weeks, I just kept coming back to this sort of strange practice that the Jewish people had that God set up back in the tabernacle days and then kept it into the temple. It was this sort of odd, I've always thought it was odd, and I always just kind of was very interested in why he had them do it. It's always been a little bit of a fascination to me, but for the last probably month or so, I've really just been just just sitting in it. And I read it. I've read every passage about it. I've done a bunch of research on it. I just It's such an interesting thing to me, and it's probably not going to be interesting to you. You're probably just going to be like, eh, okay. That's fine. But I want to talk about this interesting thing that God instructed the priests to do all the way back at the tabernacle, and it continued through the temple as well. And it was this thing called showbread. Showbread. Anybody heard of show bread? I thought, well, I don't know. I I grew up as I grew up acting in a lot of like on on stage and a lot of like Broadway plays, and so a show means something really different to me. So I just didn't know if it was just flashy bread or what. It's okay. You can laugh. It's fine. Dad jokes still funny to me. You're welcome show bread. It's this weird thing. You're like, I don't know why it's weird. I mean, they had people bake bread. Yeah, but it's not for anyone. Let's, Let's just read about this. There's this ritual, this practice where the priests would put out bread. They served, they served bread in an empty room. They would serve bread. Exodus chapter 25, verse 23. Exodus, I'm going to get a lot of emails about that this week. I'm really excited to get your emails. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay, let's read uh, Exodus 25:23. This is God speaking. God is speaking and giving instructions, very specific instructions. He says to Moses, you shall make a table of acacia wood. I did it in the NAS because I needed the shells in there. You shall make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long and one cubit wide and one and a half cubits high. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a gold border around it. You shall make for it a rim or a crown, actually is the word there, a crown around it of a hand breadth around it, and you shall make a gold border for the rim around it. You shall make four gold rings for it and put rings on the four corners, which are are on its four feet. So are you getting the picture? They're building a table. They're covering it in gold, all right? The rings shall be close to the rim as the holders for the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and over lay them with gold so that with them the table may be carried, right? It can be moved. Everything in the tabernacle had to be able to be moved, had to be portable. They took it all through the desert for 40 years. It had to be portable. You shall make its dishes and its pans and its jars and its bowls Dishes, pans, jars, bowls, with which to pour drink offerings, you shall make them of pure gold. And this is, the, this is the one verse about it right here. It says, verse 30, you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me at all times. You shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me at all times. Then he moves on to the very next thing. That's it. That's it. Now, through Jewish history and through other writings, we, there's a few other passages where the showbread shows up. It, you, you kind of see it, and they mention showbread, but this is the command where it's supposed to happen. This is where God sets that in motion, this ritual in the temple, in the tabernacle. He sets it in motion right here, and we see it all throughout Jewish history. In fact, um, you can, there, there are rabbi commentaries on it still to this day. What does it mean? Showbread, this is the secret right here. The secret is in one of the names of showbread, it's called the bread of the presence. The bread of the presence. It meant something. You see, it's a picture, a representation of God's presence there in his house. Why? Well, it's bread. Who doesn't love bread? I mean, I... I I, unfortunately, eat mostly gluten-free when I have to, but I'd rather not. In fact, my kids got me a shirt that says, I heart gluten. And the heart is this like head of wheat because I heart it. I love myself the bread. There are few things that smell as good as bread. I'm talking bread, you guys. I'm not talking about like bread. I'm talking about like bread. <laughs> do you guys know that? Do I need to? Okay, I'm not going to explain because I'm a little hungry. So, we'll, bread. This bread. <laughs> so, this bread, there's actually the, in the recipe for the bread. Did you know the bread, each loaf contained 4.9 pounds of flour? Not cups, pounds. This was bread. That was each loaf. This was not like, here's our bread. This was like, here's our bread. It was very large, every loaf. And did you know, there's also a loaf for every tribe. So here's this table, and it wasn't one loaf. It was a loaf for each one of the 12 tribes of Israel. It was 12 loaves. 12 huge loaves of bread, and they were stacked together in two stacks, a stack of six and a stack of six high. The the priest actually had to bring in dowels, poles to stick between them to hold them up. This was not like, just like, oh, what's that? Oh, communion. Oh, yes. This was what you saw when you went in. There was the incense altar, which was the smallest piece of furniture, right in the middle. There was the candlestick, which gave light to everything. That was the only light in the room. And then the other side of the room was this table with 12 immense loaves of bread on it all the time. That's all that was in there. It's what you saw when you walked in. There was a loaf for every tribe. And set on the table, listen to this, every Sabbath, every Sabbath, they would bring this bread in and set it on the table. And the table was set with dishes, bowls, pans, and jars. One translation says all of the utensils for the table. It was set. It was a table that was set with a whole pile of bread in the middle. This is like, this is not Olive Garden, team. This is like real. This is like, hey, we're, I, we're, I, I'm here. I'm staying. What are we having? Bread? Perfect. So there's all of this stacked there. And then do you know what they did? They took these two bowls, golden bowls of frankincense, and they set them with the bread, it says, with the bread. Frankincense is for preservation. Frankincense is for preservation. And so we have this, so, and what would happen, and every single account of this is 100% in agreement. And if you've ever read any Bible commentaries, you know how rare that is. Every single guy that does a commentary on this agrees that what happened every Sabbath, every Sabbath, they would bake 12 more loaves, a specific family in the priesthood would do it, and nobody else knew the recipe. And actually, when they died, they refused to pass it on. I'm not joking. They didn't pass it on. They would bake this bread, and here's what would happen. The priest would bring in the 12 loaves, Other priests were standing at the table and as the priests with the fresh loaves came in, they would pull the old loaves off and the new loaves would just be set seamlessly right on there. The table was never without bread. Never to be without bread. He said it was to be before him continuously. It was a symbol of God's desire. What's a table for? What is a table for? Eating. You sit down, you eat you fellowship. I just have a couple points to go through today before we take communion together, but the first one is this. The presence is for fellowship. The presence of God. We're talking about the bread of the presence. We're talking about living in the presence of God as a people, and the first point you need to know is that the presence is for fellowship for fellowship. Here's a table set with bread and utensils. It was a symbol of God's desire for fellowship with mankind. All throughout Scripture and human history, the most notable sign for fellowship and community is breaking bread together. Right? You hear somebody say, oh, they broke bread. That's what it says in Acts, they broke bread. They went from house to house. What does that mean? They ate together. They had fellowship together. The most notable sign of fellowship is breaking bread. The show bread has several names. The bread of presence, it's called a few things throughout scripture. The bread of the row, how it was lined up. Consecrated bread in one verse. Hallowed bread in another verse. But the most interesting one is the literal translation of the Hebrew text for this bread all throughout scripture, which translates as this, face bread face bread. When I read that, I think of 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, for now we see through a mirror dimly or darkly, but then face to face. Face to face. That's God's heart. That's God's desire. That's what he was setting up there with the showbread, the face bread. He was saying, this is called fellowship. I'm going to lay it out for you here on this table. We're going to fellowship together. We're going to, I'm going to set this bread out and by its name, the name that you speak out every time you say it in Hebrew, you're going to say, it's the face bread. It's the face bread. You know, we have a lot of terms for God's presence. You know, like the spirit of God. It's this kind of ethereal thing. and There was smoke and there's fire and the the presence. And when we're talking about the presence, we're not talking about some weird ethereal thing. We're talking about face-to-face with God, the presence of God. You know, when you're, when an old school, when a teacher would call the, the role in class, what were you to say when they called your name? Before here. Thank you. That was an old person that said that. I'm not even gonna turn around. (laughs) Uh, Maybe turn around too quickly. Present. Present. The teacher called your name. You said, Present. Presence means I'm here. I'm here. The bread of the presence means I'm here. I'm here. This bread set on a table in the presence of God, what we would call just an empty tent, an empty room where God was, where God showed his people how he wants it to be between him and us, face to face. Actually, and I love if um, it's a relationship. Jesus says in Revelation, this this Jesus says this in Revelation, um, in Revelation uh, chapter 3, verse 20, he's talking to the church in Laodicea and he says. Um, uh, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me I will fellowship I will have communion I will be there face to face I will fellowship with you I will be present with you who does God say that to In this particular chapter, he says it to all of us, obviously, it's in Scripture. But in this particular chapter, in Revelation chapter 3, he's talking to the church in Laodicea. What is his big beef with the church in Laodicea? He says, my problem with you is that you're lukewarm. My problem with you, church, is that you're not hot and you're not cold. You're somewhere in the middle, and when you're somewhere in the middle, it makes me want to vomit. That's my condensed version. You can read it for yourself. It's in there. Chapter three, Revelation. To the church of Laodicea, right? He says, I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you're neither hot nor cold, because you're somewhere in the middle and you're lukewarm, he says, I'm about to spit you out. And then he says, hey, I'm right here. We use that verse all the time to to invite people to the gospel, right? That's usually how we hear that. You know, Jesus is just saying to you today, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He said that to a church Behold, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice. So, what I hear today is Jesus calling us back to the table. He says, hey, you're not hot. You're not cold. I wish you were one or the other, but you're just meh. And I'm here and I'm saying to you, I'm at the door. I'm at the door. I'm at the door. If you'll open the door and you'll let me in, I'll come in. We'll eat together God's calling us back to the table. What is the cure for the lukewarm church? The presence of God. The cure for the lukewarm church is the presence of God. How? How the presence of God? How do we get to the presence of God? How do we know? What do we do? We want the presence. I want the presence. I say it. God, visit. We say it every, you know, come Holy Spirit. How? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and lets me in, I'll fellowship. I'll come in. He's calling us to fellowship. He's calling us back to the table. He's standing at the door knocking. The presence is for fellowship. All right, I'm going to go on here. The presence, our next point, the presence is for fellowship. Next, the presence is constant. The presence is constant. The presence is constant. It's always there. The presence of God was always there. The swap of the bread of the table at Sabbath was made in such a way that there was never an empty table there. The table of the showbread was never empty. You with me? All right. The table of showbread was never empty. It was always there. The presence, the bread of the presence is constant. There was always bread on the table. Listen, there's always bread on the table of fellowship and relationship with God. Next, the presence is God's provision. I'm just gonna kind of fly through these really quick because I wanna. The presence is God's provision. Like manna, do you remember manna? Manna was, uh, God fed the children of Israel with manna, a specific type of bread like thing, for 40 years. That is what they ate, manna. It was provision. Inside manna was this complete nutrition. Everything they needed to march around in the desert for decades was in manna. He provided everything for them with this one thing. He sent quail later because they asked for it, but they didn't need it. First, he gave them manna and said, hey, this is all you need. It's his provision. His provision was there for them in the manna, a complete nutrition. God provided manna each morning for Israel for 40 years, 40 years of God's complete provision. This is where we get this name of God, Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord, our provider. Provider. Jehovah-Jireh. We used to sing a song in church. I won't, anyway, I won't. (laughs) Mm-hmm, 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 it's great. It's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't even, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Jesse, can we have that queued up for the end? Do you mind? <laughs> Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. It came from this this right here where he provides manna. And they said, he is Jehovah who gives us everything we need. He is our provider. That fellowship, the presence, that representation of the presence of God was provision for them. This is how God wants to be seen by us, as provision for us. He's made provision for you. Today, right here, in this day, in this moment, he's made provision for you. And then uh, this last point here, the presence is for everyone. The presence is for everyone. There were 12 loaves for 12 tribes. Everyone was represented there. 12 loaves for 12 tribes. The presence is for everyone. It was a visual reminder when the priests and the Levites came in and they went from inside the tabernacle to, and what was around them as they were moving throughout the tabernacle, all the rituals, all the prayers, everything that they offered before the throne of God, everything that they offered there at the mercy seat and the altar of incense, all of that, it was to remind them here, right here on the right, there was this huge stack of bread, one for each tribe. And it was to remind them what they were doing in there was for everyone it was for everyone. the presence is for everyone it re- this is I love this it the Bible says that the showbread remained fresh, it remained fresh for the entire week, and it never became stale. It never became stale. Somehow, the bread did not mold or get stale. In fact, it was eaten by the priests after the seven days. After the one that they brought in the fresh bread and the others took and they took the old bread out, they took it out and they ate it because it was still good. After seven days, Every Sabbath, they would switch it out. Frankincense was used uh, for worship, and that's, that's what they set next to it to help preserve it. Um, but it also represents, it represents worship and the sacrifice of Jesus. This is a beautiful picture of what keeps the bread of our relationship with God fresh, not stale. Frankincense. Why frankincense? Worship and the presence of Jesus. Oh, I don't know. It's kind of just going through the motions. I feel like my relationship, it's a little routine. I'm just kind of, you know, everything's just a little bit stale. Oh, well, there's a prescription for that. Worship and a fresh revelation of Jesus. You want to refresh your experience in the presence of God? Worship and a revelation of Jesus. This is why we take communion together. Did you know that? To remember Jesus and keep fresh his sacrifice in our hearts and our minds. That's why Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's the verse, you you know, we all know it. We quote it for communion. He says, for I received from the Lord, which I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of of me, to remember me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Then he goes on and he shifts the conversation a bit. Usually we end right there for communion, but Paul actually shifts the conversation and he says this about, he begins to talk about how we receive communion together, how we come to the table of the Lord, to the table of fellowship, to the table with the bread of his presence. He says this in verse 27, so then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. I'm not talking about today, although I see a couple of you. Isn't this interesting? We don't like to talk about this part sometimes in church for some reason. Let's take communion together. Let's take the cup. Let's take the bread. Isn't Jesus good? Yes, Jesus is good. Jesus is also holy. And the apostle Paul says, hey, when you get together and you take communion together, some of you are just drunk. He actually says that. He says, some of you are drunk. Some of you don't. It's like, he says, actually, do you not have a kitchen at home where you can eat before you get here? He says that to them. And he brings the church back into alignment with what communion is supposed to be, which is a, repre- a remembrance of what Jesus Christ did for us to remember his death until what? Until he comes. I need that reminder. Today, I'm remembering his death until he comes. And he is coming. You know, in, in here, around, around here we say a lot, come Holy Spirit. <clears throat> you know, it also says in scripture, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. You see, we're waiting on a savior. We're waiting on a king who's coming. We talked about this a little bit last week. We talked about the bride. What does it say about the bride? It says, the bride has made herself ready. Ready. Not ready or not. Ready. The bride made herself ready. Who is the bride? Us, me. (sighs) There's a preparation that needs to happen with church, in church the church god is prompting the bride to get herself ready this reminds me of a passage that says that the bridegroom came it's a, it's actually a story jesus tells he said the bridegroom came and there are five uh, foolish virgins and five wise virgins and they're all carrying their lamps the virgins were to go with the bride right to the to the bride to the wedding ceremony and it says the that the bridegroom comes in the middle of the night and it says those who were ready went with him those who were ready went with him. Listen, even with the showbread way back in the Old Testament, the showbread, the bread of the presence. Do you know, there's this, there's this crazy story where um, David is on the run. David is running from Saul. He hasn't been crowned king. He's running from Saul. Saul knows he's going to be the next king, and he's like running, and Saul's, Saul is going to kill him. This is where David, just before David ends up in the cave hiding, he goes to the tabernacle where it is, and he tells the priest, I'm hungry. What do you have that I can eat? And the priest says, brings out the show bread for he and his men. And he's like, here you go. This is all I've got. I've got the showbread. I've got the bread of the presence. I've got the face bread. And he says, have you been sleeping around? This is what they, he said, he says to David's men, he says, have your men been sleeping around? David's like, no, we're, we're good. Everybody's good. He's like, good, because this bread is the bread of the presence. It's only supposed to be eaten by the Levites after it's been put on the table for Sabbath. It's only supposed to be eaten. The Bible says it was supposed to be eaten in holiness. It was supposed to be eaten in a holy place. It was supposed to be eaten in a holy way. And he's like, here's the food, but I have to know, have you been in sin? No? Okay, here's the bread. Here's the bread. We don't talk this way that much anymore. (laughs) Maybe we need to. Because we all want to partake of the bread, but we don't want to get rid of the things that give us the bread. We all want to partake in the presence of God, but we're not always willing to do what God requires to walk in his presence day by day. His presence is constant. His presence isn't going anywhere. His presence is always available. He's just saying, is your life right? Because we're talking about a holy God here. Listen, this message is impacting me as much as it is you today. We talked about it with the worship team this morning. We talked about it with the prayer team this morning. We talked about God examining our hearts and saying, hey, here's the bread of my presence. What's your life like before you eat it? Hmm. Because, is, is this because, so is this, this is like what Paul says, like, if you eat it and drink it this way with like unworthy and just kind of, you know, willy nilly, like whatever. Oh yeah, give me the wine, give me the bread. He says, you drink, you eat and you drink judgment on yourself. It's not like God's like, I'm going to judge you. He says, you put yourself in this weird place of judgment before God when you eat and drink in an unworthy manner. What's that mean? We repent of sin. We divest ourselves of sin. So does God only love us when we're clean? No. Is that what's happening here? No. With the showbread, with the bread of his presence, even with the communion, with the bread and the cup, is that what's going on? Oh, only come to me if you're clean. No. In fact, in fact, it's exactly the opposite. It's exactly the opposite. Actually, come the way that you are. And then it says, David says this, just one verse. He says in Psalm 18, he says, you make me blameless. Back in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, David says, you make me blameless. David was not without sin. Murder, adultery, lying, I mean, that's just the three big ones. But he says before God, you, you, you make me blameless. You make me without sin. How? See, the bread was to be eaten in holiness. The bread was to be eaten in the presence of God. And God loves us so much that he did the work on the cross that allowed us to come to the table of fellowship with him in the first place and partake of the bread of his presence. This bread supposed to be eaten in holiness uh, is after the atonement and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. God makes us blameless through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen for that part? God makes us blameless through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's why, that's why it says we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because you're amazing. No, because he's blameless and he was sacrificed for you and me. And so now we get to come before him blameless. There is no blame in me. Not because I didn't sin this week. There's no blame in me because he can't find any, because he forgave it, because he washed me clean with the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, whiter than the driven snow. This. let's stand together. This last week was pretty significant in the Jewish calendar for a bunch of different reasons. There's a bunch of things going on in the Jewish calendar. But on Wednesday, on Wednesday, let's just focus for another minute here. On Wednesday, it was the Day of Atonement. The day of atonement, once a year. That's the day the children of Israel would seek the extinguishing of the guilt of their sin. The extinguishing of the guilt of their sin that they'd carried all year, that they would come before the presence of God And it's called the Day of Atonement. They would come before God, and God would extinguish their sin. He'd put it out. Atonement. He does it through repentance. The 10 days before the Day of Atonement are 10 days of repentance. So before the Day of Atonement happens, there's 10 days where the children of God were invited and commanded 10 days to fast and pray and repent of their sin. And then there was the Day of Atonement. Do you know what? So what would happen on the Day of Atonement specifically is so beautiful all of Israel would gather together and the priests would lead a bull up to the altar and he would slaughter the bull and sacrifice the bull for himself, for himself. He didn't do it for the people, that was just for him. He was saying, my sin is great. My sin must be paid for. And he would sacrifice a bull in his stead to pay for his sin. And then two goats would be brought to him. And this is where we would come in, the people. We would come in and these two goats would be led in. And to pay for the sin that was over the house they would kill the first goat. And they would take the blood of that goat and they would sprinkle it on everything in the whole house. The temple, the tabernacle, regardless of what uh, era that this was in for the children of Israel, they would do this every year on the Day of Atonement. They would take the blood of that goat and it would be sprinkled on the altar. It would be sprinkled on the incense. It would be sprinkled on the curtains. It would be sprinkled on the doorframe. It would be sprinkled over the whole place. And then, when they were done with that, while we all watched, they would bring the second goat up. And for you and me, the priest would lay his hands on that goat. And when he was done, they would let that goat go out of the city out into the wilderness, out away from all of the people, and the Bible says it would never be seen again. All of the sin of the people. Everything would be put on that goat, and it would be released out. Out of the camp, out of the city, out of wherever, it would be released. Never to be seen again. This is atonement. The blood of Jesus shed for you and I, once on Calvary freedom forever from sin that we would be set free the his blood sprinkled on our hearts so you and i could be forgiven and then all of our sin put on this one and sent out forever free of sin do you see the picture now atonement atonement and so today we're going to take communion together But before we do, I want to give us the opportunity to repent of our sin. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't no idea, but I know this. I know that there's no sin too great that the blood of Jesus won't cover, forgive, and send it. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, gone. So today, if you have sin in your life, sin in your heart, today, I specifically, as I was preparing, I felt like we were, somebody needs to repent for unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, it's blocking you from just stepping into the presence presence of God. It's, it's, It's limiting you from entering into everything God has for you, unforgiveness. Just repent of sin. If you're walking in sexual sin, repent of sin. If you're walking in dishonesty, repent of sin. If you're walking in unfaithfulness, repent of sin. If you're walking in judgments of others, repent of sin. Come on, today we're repenting of our sin so that we can drink the cup and eat the bread together in his presence and have fellowship with God and have fellowship with God. Through repentance today, there's healing. There's physical healing and healing of your heart. Today, I specifically felt like somebody's gonna, you're being healed today of a chronic illness through repentance. Chronic illness is being healed here in this room through repentance. Repentance the forgiveness of sin. So I just wanna read that again. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, would you forgive us of all of our sin? Just confess your sin to the Lord right where you are. Before you take this together, would you say, Lord, please forgive me of all my sin? Please forgive me. God, wash me clean. Make me a new creation. God, set me free. God, today I'm asking, just get specific. Get specific. Come on, today we're going to eat and drink this communion together today, just standing in the atonement of God for our sin. So thankful for you, Jesus. Don't rush this moment. Speed. of his body broken for us. Let's partake of the bread together. Thank you, Jesus. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake of the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I love about the table of the presence of the Lord, where the showbread was, is that it was always set. It was always there. It was always ready. He prepared a place. Jesus says he goes to prepare a place for us even now. But today, Jesus said he's prepared a place for you here. And he gave some very specific words. And we were in prayer this morning. God spoke some really specific things. And so uh, we want to give time. uh, If you need to respond to the Lord and you need prayer for anything, the ministry team is ready to pray for you for anything you need prayer for today. But there's some specific things, some words for prayer. The first one was, you don't walk alone. You don't walk alone. The next one says, your boy will come home. As people were praying in the presence of God, they they felt this over this group today to speak out and for you to respond to do, to Jesus today. Your boy will come home. The other one says, "Turn aside like Moses did. Moses when he was uh, when he was uh, tending sheep up on Mount Sinai. The Bible says that <clears throat> there was a that the burning bush came, came just started on fire, and it says it caught the attention of Moses, and he turns aside. God's trying to get your attention today." Somebody specifically today needs prayer for an aorta blockage. There's a blockage in your in your bloodstream and God wants to set you free from that today. We're gonna call you forward in just a minute. Um, somebody who's just been troubled in spirit, you just feel troubled all the time. There's just like this dark cloud over your spirit And He's saying today, He's going to set you free today, somebody who's just been troubled in spirit. And then um, there's another word that says, give the first step to Christ and He'll carry you forever. And then the last one today, somebody specifically struggling with mental illness or needs to respond for someone else that's struggling with mental illness. If this applies to anybody here or you know somebody you'd like prayer for that, would you just come forward? The ministry team wants to agree with you in prayer. Also, if you need healing in your body, if you're somebody who struggles with chronic illness like we talked about earlier, come forward. We want to pray for you. We want to lay hands on you and see God set you free. So we're gonna just keep singing this song. If, that, if you need to respond to any of those words, come on forward and one of the ministry team will come lay a hand on your shoulder and pray for you and see God bring a victory and a miracle in your life today. So let's sing that again. Just come on forward. Come on down. If you need prayer for any reason, come on. We're responding to the Lord today to receive from God today. I want to know you. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org and if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.